Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, as we begin our new series called Songs for the Path. And this is the Word of God. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. The Word of God. I remember like it was yesterday, uh, 2005, when we first moved here to Mississippi. Um, we were great, greeted by uh, our, our wonderful church, and then we were greeted by Hurricane Katrina uh, about three weeks later. And, uh, and then after Hurricane Katrina, a, a water line in our attic burst uh, during Wednesday night church. So there were hours for, the, for Lake Wheat to form on the inside of our house. Uh, Gina discovered it, got on the cell phone with, with some of you. Suddenly there was an army of Highlands people at, at my house hauling furniture out, uh, trying to save what, whatever we could, and it was a traumatic experience. And I remember about three or four weeks after that event, I remember being in worship right here, and, uh, and we were singing a song together, and, and I had not known this song, and I was learning this song uh, with this congregation for the first time, and, and the song is called Blessed Be Your Name, and I was, I was singing these words, Blessed Be Your Name in the Land That is Plentiful where your streams of abundance flow, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I will turn back to praise. And when the darkness closes in, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. And I'm going to tell you something. While I was sitting right there in the midst of this congregation singing that song, I broke down. Broke down. And the reason why I broke down is I heard your voices. Many of you who were, were there at that time, I thought about God's faithfulness to us. And being right here, thought about God's faithfulness to us through Katrina, all of us, and how many people were hurting down on the coast, and the stories we were hearing about the help of God's church, about the Lord's mercy in the midst of, of all the struggle. I thought about God's faithfulness to our family, and I, I, I just remembered how he sent exactly what was needed and who was needed to put it all back together 
and people that became dear friends. And, and I realized I was singing. It doesn't matter whether you're in the wilderness. It doesn't matter what pathway you're on. God is there. God is there and he cares. Psalm 121 is the second of 15 songs, uh, an official section of the, the songbook of Israel, the praises of Israel called the Psalms. Um, this particular section is called the Psalms of Ascent. These were the songs that the Israelites would sing as they would caravan and, and go up to Jerusalem for one of the three great feasts that God had set aside for them to, to worship at the temple, to join. Some people were leaving little towns in Israel and maybe in the north of Israel. Some people had left other places and, and foreign places as they were making their pilgrimage uh, to Jerusalem. They're called the Psalms of Ascent because Jerusalem is up. That's the reason why. Jerusalem, you gain altitude about 3,500 feet from Jericho up to Jerusalem. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty high ascent right there, and that was one of the major uh, ways that you got to Jerusalem. And as these pilgrims walked together and their camels and everything in their caravan, if you can imagine this, they, they sang these songs they sang songs about great concern that they shared, that they felt great need that they felt, and the greatness of God. And how His greatness meets our great need, the great love of God. These, this was the playlist of Israel. And, and as we are moving through the terrain of our lives, heading toward a, a new Jerusalem, you know, we also are pilgrims. You, you may have read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. If you haven't, I, I would recommend, write it down. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. And it's all about how you come to know the Lord and His grace brings you uh, just so close to Him. In fact, in union with Him and the rest of your life is a pilgrimage going up to the New Jerusalem or heaven. And there's a varied terrain. The topography of our lives can be quite different from month to month. And from year to year. Psalm 120, which I'm not treating, uh, I would like to kind of incorporate into Psalm 121. Psalm 120 has to do with the difficulties themselves and where I don't want to go and what is happening to me and calling out to the Lord and even saying, Lord, what is this? It, it, it is a psalm that reflects who we are, what we experience, and, and what, how we move toward the Lord. Psalm 121, where we're going to begin, is also a song about trouble. It's about trouble on the road, actually. And it's about how God is there. Psalm 121 is about our fears. It's about our real worries and insecurities. You see, when we read this psalm, very often we read it like this. I will lift my eyes to the hills. Whence cometh my help? My help comes from the... And, and, not, and it's not asking the question as it properly should be. It is. It should be, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Which the ESV has, has made it so in the translation. And um, this is not a wistful 
thought about the beauty of hills and the, the grandeur of hills and, and therefore the grandeur of God, although that is true, is it not? No, this is actually the scanning of the hills, constantly looking for danger and asking where the help is going to come from if the wrong people come down out of those hills. Now, let me explain this. Um, no interstates back then, no highway patrol, no 911, very remote stretches of wilderness, very remote stretches through, through valleys and, and then even narrow valleys. And, and, and there was a problem back in those days. And you know this problem because Jesus told a parable about the road from Jericho to Jerusalem which that one stretch of road where it really gets narrow, that one stretch of road was called the way of blood because so many people were killed and robbed and beaten in that space. Just the hills around Jerusalem were filled, filled with people that would love to ambush you and take your money and beat you. That's Jesus' parable. Remember, the man was beaten senseless. It's called the Good Samaritan is the... The, the parable that I'm referring to. Um, there, these hills were full of what we might call bandits. Uh, I love all the names that, you know, you can tell that the commentaries I read, some of them are antiquated, some are more modern. They were filled, the antiquated one says, with, with highwaymen. Highwaymen. Marauders. Robbers. And the one I love the best, cutthroats. Sounds like lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! but a lot worse because this was real and there wasn't there weren't any highway patrolmen and these were very remote passes on the way up to Jerusalem um the best way i can get you to kind of grasp this remember the old westerns particularly the spaghetti westerns you know the the ones made in italy the or by the italians rather the spaghetti westerns and they'd really show the close-up of the, of the faces, concerned faces in the eyes and the beating sweat. You know, kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, that, that just kind of helps you get there. Hey, man, they're going through this gulch, this ravine, and what are they looking? They are looking at the, just waiting for some little rock to fall down. Because when a little rock falls down when it shouldn't, what do you, what do you know is up there? They're there to ambush you. And you can just see the tension on their face. And, uh, and suddenly, you know, they're, they're coming, and they're not coming as the welcome wagon. They're coming with hostile intent to rob you, to kill you, and that is the feeling in this psalm. I'm scanning the hills. Where does my help come from? That's the reason that they traveled in caravans. Yes, they were more communal, more community-oriented than we are, but that's not just the only reason they traveled. In, they traveled in caravans in those days for the safety that came in the numbers. And as they traveled, Psalm 121 just lifted them. It just spoke strength to their hearts. If we were to put this song into one sentence this morning, I, I would maybe put it this way as a challenge to you. Don't forget to look beyond your troubles don't forget to look beyond your troubles it's okay to look at your troubles it's hard not to look at them but this psalm is saying don't forget to look 
beyond your troubles. And there's three reasons that we need to look beyond our troubles. And the first is, is that simply the psalmist says God is bigger than our troubles. We've got to look beyond to the one is larger. And, and we read in verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He's bigger than our troubles. He made the hills. <laughs> There's nothing that is escaping Him because He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all. He is uncontested in His power just by the sheer power of His voice. He created our world. Translated, He's bigger than anything you can face. The question's not whether you're going to face hard things and the question's not whether you're going to be like kind of up and over into this easy lane as a Christian because you know Jesus, you're not. No, you're going you're gonna to pay the same taxes as everybody else. You're going to shop in the same places as everybody else. You're going to go through the same difficulties in your relationships as everybody else. And you're going to face the same things as everybody else. But we're going to have a different feeling about those things, aren't we? Because we can look beyond those to the one who created heaven, heaven and earth. That's kind of one of the tricks in, in life, you know, is to be able to look beyond the hills. Dr. Gary Collins, in his book, Christian Counseling, and I was reminded of this by one of the, the scholars, uh, I think we had to read this uh, years ago in seminary, if I'm not mistaken, but I love this quote. Um, he said, according to the Bible, there's nothing wrong with reali realistically acknowledging and trying to deal with identifiable problems in life. In fact, to ignore our problems is foolish and wrong. But it is also wrong, he says, to be immobilized by excessive worry. Such worry must be committed in prayer to God, who alone can finally release us from paralyzing fear and anxiety. Do you get what he was saying? It's like a Christian counselor. And he's saying, look, let's don't pretend we don't have problems. Let's don't live in a la-la land. Let's look in a fallen world at fallenness that we have within our own hearts and that we encounter in this world. Let's look at our difficulties and let's look very carefully. Let us assess them, but let's not forget to look to God or we're going to be paralyzed in our fears. You ever feel that way? I have. I would ask you, what goes bump in the night for you right now? Don't forget to look beyond your problems, your troubles. There are many things pressing in on the hearts of people in this place this morning. As we are on our way to the new Jerusalem as, as pilgrims, as we're passing through some rough territory, some of you, and some fearful landscape in this journey. For the normal Christian, there's a lot that goes bump in the night. And I tell you, one of the places where the Christian life is at its best is not only in actually acknowledging our problems and looking to God, but when we are together. And when we sing those songs and those hymns and those songs, when we worship, when we look, and, 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 and in our peripheral vision, we see people that struggle just like us looking to God, being encouraged, and we say, oh yeah. It's one of those oh yeah moments. That was what was happening on the road to Jerusalem. 
I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. One scholar states, with the, with the maker himself on your side, there is no near, need to fear anything that he has made. Nothing is beyond God's reach and his control because he's bigger. But the second reason we need to uh, not forget to, to look beyond our troubles is not just because he's bigger and he created everything, but because he personally loves us. He's there. He personally loves us. He is our redeemer, we learn. It is Israel that he is, he is, he is loved. It is Israel, a people that he's brought together. And personally, he is our keeper. He watches over Israel. He watches over each of his children and, quote, keeps. We got that, that sixth time, watches over, keeps. He keeps us. He's there. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who watches over, keeps Israel, will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep you alive. You know, over the years, uh, as we have two girls, now 20 and 18, believe it or not, yes, it is fast. I want to affirm that thing I've heard my whole life. That's true. But I'll tell you, little girls get scared. They get scared by weather. They get scared by lots of things. And over the years, when they got scared, who do you think they would run to? They ran to daddy. Now, they ran to mama and daddy, but when they were really scared, really scared, they ran to daddy. And why did they run to us, and, and particularly me, uh, it's particularly uh, when the tornado sirens are, are going um, they had this idea, I'm not sure where they got it, they're little people, that I must be bigger than the tornado, you know? Uh, they, they had a little undue uh, sense of my uh, largesse and, and ability to handle all situations. Um, they know better now, by the way. But you know, they didn't just turn to me and Gina when they were afraid because they, they felt like we were big. You know the other reason they turned to us, ran to us, because they knew more than anybody in the whole world we cared, and we'd be there. And, and they knew we would do whatever was necessary and take as long as it took to, to be there for them and to love them. And now, of course, they, they don't see me as being so big, and, and they see God uh, as being big. But you know what? Think about this. How much more? The Lord God, not only is He big, He keeps you. He's watching over you. He's there with you. I mean, you get the language of this? You're walking on this valley, there's marauders all over the place. He's there. Verse 3. He will not let your foot slip. I mean, it's like this imagery of, take my hand. Let me guide you. I am with you in this dangerous path. He keeps us, looking after. Look at verse 3 and 4. He who keeps you, I love this, will not slumber. Behold, see, understand, get it. 
He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Meaning, he's always on duty. (laughs) He never takes a break. He's always vigilant, caring. He never sleeps. Nothing ever takes him by surprise. He's there. The one who created the heavens and the earth is there. He is our Redeemer. Remember, He wants a people for Himself. Israel is my my people. The church is my bride. But He is also there for us personally. He's taking us by the hand. He is there. He is not sleeping. As someone said, He never sleeps so we can. You get that? Why can I sleep at night? Because He's not. Because He's there. And He's watching. I remember the, 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 the line of Alexander the Great. A lot of these, these really big time leaders slept you know, during the day. They could just sleep. Interesting how that works. But uh, Alexander the Great could sleep and people would be like, why, why are you able to sleep? And I can't remember the guy's name. He said, the only reason I can sleep is, is my best soldiers standing guard at the door of my tent. As long as I know he's there, I can sleep. There is a, a great story that came out of the, uh, the bombing of London. Uh, they called it the Blitz when the Germans, I mean, every night for a period of time, we're talking just hundreds of big Heinkel bombers coming over London, just dropping payload of bombers on people's houses. And it, and it was, you've seen footage of that, I'm sure. It was horrendous. I mean, they got all, the, like, millions of children out to the country because they were determined to bring the capital city to its knees. And, and people were staying and they were in the, the air raid shelter and down in the tube, you know, down in the, the subway. But there's this great story that came out that after a particularly vicious attack in this, in this area where the bombs had dropped in London, they, they were just picking through the debris. I can see the footage in my mind, the black and white, of all the hoses trying to put things out. Can you all see that? Um, some of the newsreel footage, and they're, they're picking through the debris. And uh, they're looking for the dead. They're looking for the injured. And after a while, every single person was actually accounted for but one. And, um, and her name was Mrs. Smith. This is an actual story. You know, when you go through stuff like that, stories matter. Mrs. Smith was a grandmother, and they couldn't find her. And they looked everywhere. They wondered where, uh, where she ran to during the, uh, during the raid, and uh, they finally found her. You know where she was? She was in her bedroom asleep. They literally had to wake her up, this, this grandmother. And they woke her up and they said, someone said to her, Mrs. Smith, how can you sleep with all these bombs dropping around? And here's the reason this story is remembered. She said, well, the Bible says that he who keeps Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. And I decided there was no use in both of us staying up, so I just went to sleep and left it in the Lord's hands. Now that's somebody that gets Psalm 121. I want to be like Mrs. Smith when I grow up. You know, we're on this pilgrimage to the New Jerusalem. It's perilous at times. And she says, you know, he's not, he never sleeps, and I can sleep. I can trust him. 
wonderful story. The Lord, the psalmist says, is much closer than you think. God is our companion. He is as close as your right hand. Just as right, as close as your right hand. The Lord is your keeper. He is your shade on your right hand. And I'm not going to explain shade and sun and moon today. But uh, basically what the psalmist is saying is God is not only as close as your right hand, but he's 24-7. And there's nothing except for what he allows to come into your life. Nothing that can ever threaten you. And he loves you. Uh, The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. And there's some interesting stuff about that. But he is 24-7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Nothing except what he allows to touch you will ever touch you. I didn't say the journey wasn't going to be perilous. Go back to Psalm 120 if you want to read in more detail about that. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. So don't forget to look beyond the hills. Look beyond your troubles because God is bigger than your troubles. God loves you personally and He is there 24-7. Finally, don't forget to look beyond your troubles because he is always with you even forevermore. Verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. And I love how the kind of workaday, warp and wolf busyness of where we come and go and what we do is linked to God's presence with us through all eternity you know why because when we know the lord we don't start eternal life when we die we start eternal life with god when we come to know him when you put your trust in jesus and 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 it is finished and what was paid for on our behalf on the cross and the penalty that fell on jesus in our place as the lamb of god when that is given to you that peace and that relationship that's when you start eternal life and today matters and tomorrow, tomorrow matters. And there's a seamlessness between that time and forevermore. Um, it, it's kind of like this. You're, you're going out and you're coming in. It's kind of like Psalm 139, you know, about all the, the stuff where God is with you and He's got His hand on you. Um, God is with you in your minivan, ladies, while you're dropping off and picking up. And it matters. God is with you on your sales routes. God is with you in your classrooms. God is with you on your sports fields. God is with you in your courtrooms. God is with you in your examination rooms. God is with you on the job site. It reminds us of what God told Moses and repeated to Joshua the day he called each one of them to a great task. If you'll remember, Moses was keeping sheep in the burning bush that that burned and yet the bush was not consumed. And God called Moses and Moses didn't want to do it. And, you know, you got this whole dialogue between God and Moses. But the the sentence that's carried over to Joshua's call is this. As he he told Moses, you're going to go down and confront the, the one superpower in the whole world. You're going to go confront Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, the Lord says. I mean, that's scary. And, uh, and Joshua, when Moses died, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you, get up, take these people, cross that Jordan, lead them into the land that I swore to your forefathers to give you. And the sentence is, for I will be with you wherever you go. I will be with you wherever you're coming and you're going. Every, I will be with you 24-7 wherever you go. From this time, we read in this psalm, and forevermore. I used to love what Steve Brown uh, used to say years ago. Maybe he still does. He said it all the time. He would say in his prayers, Lord, thank you that we're going to make it home before dark. And we will be with the Lord forever. It reminds me of Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I go down to verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you believe God is there? Do you believe that he's bigger? Do you believe that he loves you and keeps you? You know, if those pilgrims singing Psalm 121 could have just seen beyond the hills, if they just could have seen into the future, they would have seen a hill in Jerusalem, all right? with three crosses on it. And they would have been able to know like we know now. They would have been able to know with even more assurance how much God loves His people. How dearly God wants an intimate relationship with His people. Christ died for us. And we're about to celebrate that. To make us His own. And you remember what he said after he was raised and right before he ascended to the Father. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We could add that verse to this traveling psalm. Believe it. I know things are going bump in the night for you. I actually know what a lot of y'all's bumps in the night are. <laughs> believe it look beyond the hills to him let's pray Lord we pray that you would now take us beyond the hills to that hill and to the empty tomb and to nearness and communion with you as we remember what you have done and why you did it and we praise you for your great love, even unto death, in Jesus' name.